welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm Darren. And I am Andrew. And this week we are talking about the 12th greatest movie of all time and a source of some controversy, I suspect, Robert Zemeckis' Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. That's his name. Forrest. People call him... Forrest Gump. Yeah, so Forrest Gump is, is an interesting film in many respects because it's one of the films on the list that I think... I feel like our Forrest Gump impressions are going to warm up as as the podcast goes on. Bear with us. Keep keep with us. Um, yeah, but I feel like Forrest Gump is... Oh, by the way, I'm not doing a Forrest Gump impression. <laughs> if I sound like I'm talking like Forrest Gump, that's just the way that I talk. Um, but yeah, Forrest Gump is an interesting film in many respects because this was huge. Oh, yeah. No, it, it was This was like enormous. a seismic event, a pop cultural moment almost. It was a sort of an earth-shattering release. It earned nearly $700 million at the worldwide box office. Wow. Um, it obviously won the Best Picture Oscar, beating out the Shawshank Redemption and Pulp Fiction. It's currently credited as the... astonishing year. Yeah, the 12th best film of all time as voted for by IMDb users. Below, it should be pointed out, both Pulp Fiction and The Shawshank Redemption. Um, It's currently regarded as one of the best films of all time. I think in in 2014, ABC did a poll asking audience members to pick their favourite best picture winners of the past, like, 80 or 90 years, as long as the ceremony's been in effect... And Forrest Gump managed to win that prize, which is a remarkable hold. I mentioned to people that we were doing this podcast and immediately they sort of recalled and went back to that moment. And I mean, it's interesting because we we frequently discuss how we first saw like the movies that we talk about on this podcast. But Forrest Gump is one of the ones I'm not sure I can remember when I first saw it because it was always there. Yeah, I feel I feel I feel like most people watched the movie probably at the time. Um and yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say we we were probably no different. And certainly, I, 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 I certainly don't think I saw it at the cinema. Yeah, I probably wasn't twelve <laughs> to get in as the rating was at the time. Yeah, uh, matching the the ranking on with the list. My, yeah, I, I would have needed my parents to come in with me. I suspect it was one that did very well on VHS, though, because um, I mean that seven hundred million dollars is only for, at the the worldwide box office. For some of your younger listeners, uh, VHS yeah. is 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 like streaming. But you can only have it for two days. The video quality is grainy, and you have to rewind the video cassette before handing it back. Yeah, or you yeah. may incur a fine. Video piracy is a crime. Yeah, uh, I, it's I, not a victimless crime, Andrew. I, I, I can't understand a word in this. Oh, it's train spotting, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, uh, tracking. Yeah, the picture quality is just awful. No, I'm sorry, that's Steven Soderbergh's Sex Lies and Videotape. I'm afraid we can't give you a refund on that one, mate. But yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, it, it kind of brings back all these memories because I do associate it with the 90s. This was 1994. This was like... MDB's 90s. Yeah, as they call it. Well, that's it. This is this is the list. You want to you wanna remark on how like the, the golden age for the IMDB is being like 14 in 1994. This is a prime example because this, The Shawshank Redemption, and Pulp Fiction are all in the top 12 movies of all time. That would make you a millennial by some... um, Estimation. uh, Yeah, although I think it's 1982 is the the old... Is like the... The The extreme limit. Yeah, yeah. And and I I, I think it can go as far as born in 2005. That seems quite late. Can I ask? So Generation X is born when? 
I don't think these things are very well defined. Oh, okay, just so we're clear. Um, yeah, they are, they're, they're, there are different studies that refer to millennials, and then they will say in it, for the sake of this study, we're defining millennials as, and then they'll kind of <laughs> Give a date put a different for... definition to some other study that defines millennials as some other age, yeah. for the sake of the study. Because I, I would always assume, like, Generation X were people who came of age in the 80s, Generation Y came of age in the 90s, and millennials, as the name implied would have came of age sometime between the millennium and now so they would have been born in the 90s I would have generation z uh that's just too cool to waste on like snowflakes like millennials apparently uh don't you know millennials are awful if you call them generation z they'd seem cool andrew they would they would far too cool possibly for school but yeah do you, do you... entitled avocado uh, avocado toast eating uh monsters so they are uh liberal uh progressive Concerned about equality, invested in social justice. What are these people at? Very connected and very disconnected. At the same time, simultaneously. I feel like that's actually a nice sort of pivot point to sort of to getting into Forrest Gump a little bit. Because I, I, like, one of the things about Forrest Gump, and we won't talk too much about it now before we get to the spoiler zone, is that it is very much... A baby boomer movie. It's a movie that seems like its target market is, is kind of older than people who are in their teens in the nineties. It feels like it's aimed at people of like maybe my gen- my parents' generation, or my grandparents' generation. It's a movie that that seems to like look back longingly on the you know second half of the twentieth century and sort of look back and see it as a time that was tumultuous, but also like idealized and also it definitely has opinions about those times as well. Yeah. Then and and like in spite of it being, um, I guess as you're describing, and in, in I, I think it, it, it I have to admit because I, I, I feel like your opinions of this movie are would uh, would be quite low, and uh, in it, that 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 your estimations of of it of it wouldn't wouldn't be great. I think that, you're you're generalizing there a bit, but I think you you're I'm conflicted about this movie, and, right? And, and that's that's probably I think a fair I am a bit too. And but but I this this movie watching it this time it it did have an impact on on me. Um, yeah, I mean this is a movie that is, and there's no no point beating around the bush here. This is perhaps the most polarizing of Best Picture winners of the '90s. It's possibly the second most polarizing Best Picture winner in the past thirty or forty years. It's the best buying Picture Crash. winner ever. Like it's rare yeah. that it's not polarizing. Yeah, I mean, people like, got very upset about Birdman and Shape of Water even this year for as well. For example, Ladybird fans were very, very angry about it winning. But I mean, there, it tends to happen. There's always a bit of like a cycle about these things. But I think <laughs> um, Ladybird fans were angry. Oh yeah, very. What does angry. that look like? <laughs> They mostly lean against a wall and smoke a cigarette while glaring at you. Uh, but yeah, there's, um, there, there is a sense of, yes, every Best Picture winner is by its nature controversial because everybody, you know, there are fans of between four and eight other films who think that their film should have won over this one. But Forrest Gump is particularly controversial, I think, because, first of all, it was against two beloved films. Obviously, Pulp Fiction, which is beloved by people who are, like, young and hip and with it. 
a Shawshank Redemption, which is, you know, sort of the more conventionally sort of like Oscar prestige sort of old-timey nostalgic film. Yeah. And and then sort of this kind of coasts in between the two and steals the award. It's right up there with Shakespeare in Love winning or Crash winning. When you talk about... No, I, I, I don't think it's like Crash winning. I, I think this is a far better movie than Crash. They, but they... they, they the thing about um, you were saying kind of Forrest Gump coasting in between the two because it feels like in terms of taste uh, Shawshank Redemption probably falls in between the two of those movies that's in, probably fair to me yeah, to be honest in, 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 in the sense of it, be, it being being very much a a movie that your kind of parents could watch but with far more kind of depth I guess than, than this uh, uh, Forrest Gump well this is is interesting I mean we're probably going to bite it off when we get to the spoiler zone but we should probably talk about like our rough feelings about the film in terms yeah, of like yeah, what, whether we like it whether we, we don't like it and this is the thing this is a movie that is genuinely I have, I have very complicated things about it. and we joked on the podcast before I'm a man who's so indecisive that I have both Coke and Pepsi in my <laughs> fridge. You know, I, I'm, I'm the guy who likes to sit in the fence. I'm the guy who's like, don't be too hard on that movie, but also don't pretend it doesn't have flaws. And the thi- But the thing you, with Forrest Gump... I think you've, you've been hard on this movie before. Not as hard as you have been on The Help. Yeah. Um. But but yeah. You you you've kind of joked about oh like this is the list where like Forrest Gump is number twelve. Yeah. And I mean this is this is the thing. I don't think it should be number twelve. But ooh, I think it might have a place on the list, and not a place necessarily based on what I deem to be its quality necessarily. Although I think it's a very well made film. I think it does. What it's trying to do relatively well, even if like I, I think, think you're spot on. Yeah, I think that what it's trying to do is is interesting and complicated and you know awkward in places. But I also think it's a hugely important movie, and I mean when I say important movie, like we talked about Django a couple of weeks ago, as like one of the most important and influential movies that we've covered so far in terms of the 2010s. This is something similar in terms of the 90s. Like, if you were to put this movie, like, in the context of the 90s, this would explain a lot about the decade. It's a decade, it's a film that captures, I think, the spirit and anxieties of the America in which it was produced. It's a film that serves... Post-history 90s. That's it, exactly. Between the fall of the... um, Berlin Wall. Berlin Wall and 9-11. That's it. The the life between two depths, as I think Philip E. Wagner has Wagner has described it. I apologize for mangling his name, but the idea of the end of history of Francis Fukuyama described it, or the unipolar moment, as Charles Krauthammer described it. And I apologize for mangling all of their names somehow. But yeah, I, I there, it really captures that moment on screen, and in so many ways, not just in the literal way of it being the story of a guy who drifts through, you know, the second half of the twentieth century American history and like has this huge impact without realizing what he's doing this sort of american idiot fairy tale also in terms of like the technology and the manipulation the postmodernism of it in terms of zemeckis manipulating footage that exists of the historical record and inserting tom hanks into it in ways that are you know not necessarily entirely convincing at times but ways which suggest yeah, that I, history yeah. is a is a narrative more than like a basis a thing of fact I that think- it's a fluid sort of river rather than a you know a concrete object I think by contemporary eyes, 
it's not very convincing. Yeah. I think at the time I was like, wow, how did they do that? Yeah, That's it's mind-blowing. It yeah. And I mean, yeah, we, we shouldn't be too harsh on it because the technology is astounding. When this came out, nobody had seen anything like this. Nobody had imagined anything like this. It was like Tom Hanks had stepped into like newsreel footage of the 20th century and it's it's amazing watching rogue one i wasn't impressed by that like groundbreaking tarkin uh, at all but watching this i was really impressed watching something uh, that we watched recently jurassic park which we 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 didn't do for the podcast by the way we we occasionally watch movies outside of the podcast occasionally when 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 the movie is over and something just comes on after it yeah it's like well you can't turn off jurassic park no but you were saying anyway about jurassic park in jurassic park jurassic park has some fantastic um special effects that stand up and you're looking at it thinking uh this is amazing like this special effects is really good they also have in that movie some 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 bad uh, green screen and some kind of uh, stuff that CGI. looks kind of Harryhausen. Yes, um, yes, you notice that as well. Yeah, yeah, which so, I, I quite like. But actually. yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But it, yeah, it's the thing is, um, I think, I think, it, it, I guess we'll talk a little bit about it on the other side. But yeah, some, some, some of the stuff kind of at, uh, as we say at the time was uh, so novel, yeah. and 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 now is kind of. Um, I, I guess a little bit uh, we're a little bit spoiled yeah I guess and I mean and all the incremental steps like even though they're far beyond this don't seem as impressive as this was because this was like the bold step forward this was like yeah. the moment where you proved that you could do something that would become routine and like you could argue like Zemeckis's career after this point right which is where this is the point arguably where Zemeckis who had directed you know for example obviously the Back to the Future trilogy yeah um, beloved Back to beloved the Future beloved the Back to the Future and Back to the Future is on the list, and I'm quite looking forward to covering it because hopefully we'll be able to rope in a guest that we've we've long sought, um, but you've never heard of. He's a um, tough cat. <laughs> he is a tough cat. His his agent is playing a very hardball game with us. But Zemeckis had done we've those grown really expectations. We now. really have. I, although Darren did mention you've never. Heard <laughs> yeah, you've never heard of him. He's the best guest you've never heard of. But I do feel like um, Zemeckis sort of this became a pivot point in Zemeckis' career. Now, obviously, afterwards he did stuff like Cast Away. Um, and stuff but mostly Zemeckis has come to be known for being the director who pushes computer generated imagery so for example the Polar Express or the adaptation of uh, Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey or even stuff like if you want to be you know sort of less less sort of overtly CGI stuff like the the one The Walk with Joseph Gordon-Levitt where he computer generated the entire Twin Towers that sort of stuff Okay. Uh, and he's become sort of known as a director who pushes the technology aspect of filmmaking. So, so I think um, it feels to me like special effects are getting... I mean, this sounds like a very curmudgeonly thing to say, but I feel like special effects are getting worse. <laughs> um, it, 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 it does feel like that, as, as in, like, I don't like watching... Um, Jurassic the, the World likes, as much as you like Jurassic Park. Well, if we're just talking about Zemeckis movies, oh, okay. I, f- I, f- I found uh, the, um, I think movies are much sharper now and kind of unforgiving. It It's very, very HD now. When you're, sorry, that, that sounds like something one's aunt would say. <laughs> it's <laughs> when, also HD. It's also HD now. And, um... 
you look at a movie and yeah it's a, it's a kind of an unforgiving sort of uh, a f- a format and sometimes things look too sharp yeah where it takes away the kind of quality of this being a film yeah you know um like 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 watching what was it called the walk yeah yeah i did, I, I didn't i didn't enjoy looking at that movie <laughs> Um, well, it was it was too clean. It was too pristine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the angles were too perfect, almost in a way. It's a, it's yeah. hard to describe how uncanny it is, but and it's it's in there. Like like what some and I like the walk. I should be clear. I I quite enjoyed the walk. I think it's a step up from the stuff that Zemeckis has been doing. But um, I do think you're right. Yeah, it it, it it's it's it, it kind of um, it spoils things in a way. So I think that Forrest Gump, like, on top of being a movie that embodies, like, the anxieties, the political, cultural anxieties of the 90s, it also represents sort of a pivot point in terms of, like, movie storytelling in the same way that Jurassic Park does. It's a it's a moment at which we realize what was possible with special effects and what directors, for better or worse, realize what was possible with special effects. Um, it's, it's, it's funny. Like, well, every now and then you have an effects-driven movie that that really seems to take things uh, beyond what you've ever seen before. But generally what follows isn't really as good. As, Im- as impressive. Like 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 The Matrix, for example. Yeah. But it, but you 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 watch you watch you watch, you watch movies kind of um, that happen kind of like after these movies and or say say you watch the um, the Star Wars prequels. Yeah. And it's just not fun to well the star wars prequels have their own barrel of issues and i mean i would argue they are influential in in their own way as well because they're the first big movie shot in um digital as opposed to film so they cast their they have their own pop cultural footprint right but you're you're right that they don't have the same level of texture impression of say like even if we want to pick a movie from the 2010s or 20 2000s or 2000s the um avatar for example from 2009 in terms of visual effects that was for me terrible movie but fantastic like special effects mind-blowing uh in terms of what it actually did in terms of 3d i've never seen a 3d experience that lived up to that which i think is one of the reasons why the format died mm. it's like if you can point to one single 3d experience that's worth having out of you know a decade of hollywood telling you that 3d was the future they're not doing it right I think I watched Alien Covenant recently. I quite liked it. I, I know we're 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 getting very off 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 topic. Off topic. No, I I, w- I was just talking in terms of actually. Never mind. Was that a Cameron movie? No, it Alien wasn't. Covenant was a Scott movie. Close. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, that, it was. Although it was Ridley Scott arguably doing Cameron in that he was very clearly spoofing Aliens in several ways. But we won't get down that. That's for another podcast. Yes. But uh, yeah, so Forrest Gump, I think, is a hugely important and influential movie. And I think maybe it belongs on the list. It certainly wouldn't be on my list. But I can see it being a film that deserves to be remembered and talked about. Like I feel like if you're talking about the 90s, you can't not talk about Forrest Gump. As, as many negatives as we can cram into this particular sentence. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's definitely on the curriculum. And I, I feel like it's a funny one. I I would I would agree with you, but I would I would almost put it on my two fifty, and it's weird because in a lot of ways it's not to to my taste. You watch it now, and you and you think, oh, this is like um, um, parts of it just feels so uh, manipulative or daft, 
um and 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 you, you like kind of there's a lot of very there's a lot of moments in this movie which just seem really cringe and trite and, and yeah and, and sort of patronizing condescending well this but, is this but, is, yeah. but at the same time like the, this this movie i it's, it's it maybe maybe actually what what it is is that the movie planted kind of seeds <laughs> within my mind that like played out in my life because I was watching the movie and there were a lot of things in the movie that really like I suppose touched me you know like uh, um and reminded me of 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 things in my own life and I, and as 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 trite um as this movie was like I cried I I I, I, I like I've I've I've, I've felt very, very, very emotional at, at 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 parts of this movie, and at the same time, I was like laughing at how um, how, how blatant the manipulation exactly, was. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So it's a, like I think for the, for for that reason, like I, I give great stock to a movie that can move me, that can make you feel. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, and we've talked about this in the podcast before. It's hard to quantify something like that. And maybe film critics and people who discuss film are hesitant to talk about film in, that, in those unquantifiable, unmeasurable terms. Yeah, because there's always the possibility that the that that's a one time thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's more difficult to talk about because you're talking about it in very kind of like personal terms. Yeah, subjective. Because ways. like a, a, a movie will move you. Sometimes because it 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 touches something quite universal, but sometimes it can touch something quite personal. Yeah, and um, it's hard to talk about that without talking about the personal thing behind it. Exactly. So I'll, I'll like I'll talk a little bit about it in vague terms, <laughs> so that none of the parties uh, involved will be listed or offended. Here's yeah. the thing: or, or, like, um, and. <laughs> If the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Yeah, yeah. If there's any, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, uh, um, if there are any parties listening, they they can imagine it's them. Yeah. Um, You're so vain, you probably think this podcast is about you. Um, I'm surprised <laughs> they didn't work that song into the film because they worked in everything else. I will say this, actually. This is an interesting, and this is some, a discussion that I have every time that we talk about Forrest Gump, and it's worth just throwing it out there before we get to the spoiler zone. Part of me watches Forrest Gump and wonders how earnest the film is meant to be. I know it's accepted as this huge, saccharine, earnest fairy tale that sort of touches at the heart of the American character, this idea of like fundamental decency being enough to navigate a chaotic world and to find a place in it and to absorb manifest destiny without any personal culpability in it. But part of me also wonders if there isn't something a bit darker and more cynical beneath the surface where the film Hello, is... Darren. The, the, um, um, Dar- Dar- Darren has a view that there is a dark underbelly to a movie. <laughs> Could it be? And what are the odds? Wait for Darren to discuss the Freudian subtext of Forrest Gump. Um, don't worry, there, there probably is, but we're not going to get into that. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> but no, there, there is this... Um, I wonder when I'm watching it, like, how seriously are we meant to... Is everything in the film meant to be taken 110% at face value? To be earnest, to be sincere, to be accepted as presented? Or is the audience meant to go, wait, wait a minute. What, what are the implications of this? What is this actually saying? Like, for example, at its most basic, the film is a story of a man who is 
an idiot. He, he is he is blind. He is he's guileless. He has like no sense of what's happening around him. He has no awareness beyond himself. He is fundamentally decent, yes, but he's also you know uninformed and unengaged. And he somehow becomes the avatar of the 20th century for America. Is and that pa- not appropriate? I'm about to say. Uh, and part of, that yeah. is, part of that is a very sincere, if you have a good heart, you can accomplish anything, which is a wonderful sentiment and very earnest. But, but you, part of me also wonders if you... kind of like a... A backhanded compliment. A bit of satire. Yeah, like, as in like a bit of a Dostoevsky's The Idiot sort of thing. It's a bit like, or being there, you know, the Peter Sellers film, for example. If there's an element of like wry, ironic social commentary there where the avatar of the, you know, first half of the so-called American century is somebody who has no idea what they're doing, but just happened to be in the right place at the right time on all these occasions. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're the, their society is, is, is kind of a, a product of the, um, all, all of the, um, economic development, uh, during the, um, what, 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 what was Roosevelt's, um, the new deal, the new deal and the, and the, uh, wartime kind of economic boom. And then the 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 whole kind of baby boomers generation just kind of they're coasted pretty yeah. much. Yeah, and things thing thing things got better and better for them as well. Yeah, it was like like they were they were they were um, they were buying debt at like exactly the right time as well. Yeah. Um. So the, like like when 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 interest rates were quite high and then went very low. Yeah. So you do wonder how much of how much of the film is. Sorry, like, I don't know if that has anything to do with the. Well, no, it, it kind of ties into to what I was kind of getting at there, which is this argument that you know is is the film perhaps a little bit more biting than its saccharine coated aphorism quoting like tagline sort of like you know nice pastel color scheme would have you suggest the gentle I, narration in the southern accent i doubt it, it. Oh, okay to be honest I, I like i don't think there's there's much in zemeckis's other movies that would that would that, that would strongly suggest um, a biting satirical core almost yeah 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 I, I i i i think zemeckis makes kind of um fun movies for um families the, yeah yeah and, and I mean, this, yeah, there's something you said for that, sort of like in the Spielbergian mold almost. Like, yeah. Except perhaps in, in some respects stronger. It's like Spielberg, but with, you know, two X's or whatever, three X's in a, out of a jug. Moonshine. Spielberg moonshine, basically, is what I'm getting at. No idea what you're talking about. I know. I stretched that analogy to breaking point. That's okay. Uh, but anyway, so with that in mind, then, would you recommend that people, if they ha- somehow have managed to go through their entire life without seeing Forrest Gump, would you recommend that they watch it, Andrew? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and I guess that's a qualified recommendation because the reason that I, well, I mean, there's a couple of reasons why you 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 could recommend this, even though even though the music is so kind of hackneyed and overplayed, it's still good. Um, and uh, the 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 reason I liked it isn't really a reason that I could recommend it to people. Well, this is the personal reason that we yeah. talked about earlier. No, I I would, re- but, but like I, I would I would venture to say that like my own experiences can't be too so unique. Yeah, and there 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 there's probably so much in this movie that 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 parts of it will will. And it's it's very broad in places as well. Like I suspect that a lot of people will look at it and see part of their own lives in there, if only because it casts its shrimp nets as it were relatively yeah. wide. And there's nothing wrong either with being broad. No, no, We're, like there there we we don't want. 
kind of these sorts of movies to suffer from the kind of level of kind of criticism or snobbery that can um well, I don't think it matters. Yeah. Really. Oh, given, given it's, <laughs> yeah. It's made seven hundred million. It is exactly. below, but it is the twelfth I don't think we need to worry about Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. If you want, I mean, if, like you're, you're not punching down. If you want to, yeah. Andrew, if yeah. you want to give a like a postmodern critique <laughs> of Forrest Gump, um, yeah, feel free. Uh, I'm pretty sure it can take him. It's a big guy. Um, yeah, I, I would recommend watching it. I think it's okay. I, th- I actually think it's a monumentally important movie. Even if it's not, wouldn't be one of my personal favorites, even if I'm still divided on it because I can never figure out how sincere it is versus whether it's, whether it's smiling or smirking. I'm never entirely sure. Um, and then, yeah, so I would, I would recommend it. So in that case, then go, uh, go away, watch it two, two hours and 20 minutes later, come back and join us on the other side of the spoiler zone. Spoiler zone. So Andrew. What is Forrest Gump about for you? I think it's a little bit, as you say, a a telling of the second half of the 20th century. So from after World War II. But I think it has... And I I know you'll probably be more interested in talking about the kind of, like, uh, post-historical aspects of it, or or the sense in which it kind of encapsulates... uh, like nineties anxieties, and um, I, I, I think you even mentioned the the words manifest destiny. So, like <laughs> the, the, the listener can't see, but Darren is pumping his fist up and down in the air. This, 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 this is Darren's wheelhouse. I'm going to step aside. But these for, are my people. But for me, this movie um, kept going back to the relationship between himself and his uh, childhood sweetheart, Jenny. And for me, that's the kind of emotional core of the movie. There are other uh, emotional balls in the air. But but that's the... He says so many times throughout the movie, and then I thought about Lieutenant Dan and Bubba and Mama up in heaven, but mostly... I thought about Janay, <laughs> and and it just keeps on going back to that, and it's the 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 it's the emotional kind of thread of 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 of, of the movie. She and 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 it really it 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 really got me. Yeah, I think to be fair now, because because you were joking about me pumping my fist in the air in remarks in, in in sort of discussion of the like central metaphor of the film, I suspect. Half the people watching, if not three quarters or, you know, nine tenths or nine hundred thousandths of it, Mm. um, had people watching the film had basically, you know, have no interest in what the film has to say about the 20th century as an American experience and are invested in that emotional core because... Like, the film sells it very well. It's got a very simple emotional hook into it, which is this one person's life and the lives that it affects around him. So his mother, Lieutenant Dan... Bubba and obviously Jenny and and these this sort of emotional core is very strong and the film is right in some ways to sort of center itself on those. Yeah, but I I, I like I it it seemed it seemed to me anyway that 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 Jenny was the real kind of even though she kind of comes and goes through uh, through throughout the movie that that there was something sort of like she she was like the, 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 the 
Moby Dick. Thank you for that Chasing for years. But to be fair, the um, film is very careful to avoid the sort of creepiness of 80s romantic comedies by making sure the forest doesn't actually chase her. Yeah, yes. and, and if it was an 80s comedy, at one point he would have took her to a bar and then discovered that it was full of black people and had to run out. <laughs> but Which also- happens in a number of 80s movies. I think it's like Porky's... Um, is, there a, is, there a version, is there a scene in Blues Brothers which is a bit like that? There might be. No, yeah. It's a redneck bar. Okay, okay. Different so th- stereotypes. Th- yeah, so so they switch it. Yeah. They they yeah, they 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 do the Porky's thing the other way around. But I mean um, there there is there is though like also he would be chasing her more aggressively. Like he wouldn't be he in in this movie he gets up and he runs across the country because he feels lost, because he feels disconnected from her. Yeah. In an 80s romantic comedy he would basically run to her and it would be stalking and it With would be creepy. Blaster. Yeah, and it would be creepy and all this sort of stuff. Here, he's so passive that his obsession with Jenny never feels threatening, which is good. And it's clever, I think, on the part of Eric Roth, the screenwriter, and Zemeckis, the director. It's only creepy to the extent that unrequited love can kind of make make creeps of of the person to whom the... The love is unrequited. But, yeah, I do think the movie is very clear that she does love him, or at least does come to love him but has her own kind of uh, her own problems that she needs to work through and it, it like there was, there was so much that could it kind of I guess affected me there was, there was like the idea of her being his only friend yeah and that that he, he was like no <laughs> he was like I'd never had any close friends and it's like in fact Jenny was my first friend and it's like she was no what is it again it's like uh, she, she she was one of my only close friends in fact she was my only friend and it, it's it, 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 it reminded me of being a lonely child and having a girl who, who was a friend to me and that that it being like the kindest. Now I'm going to start crying again. <laughs> um, but the the thing thing that a person can kind of do to you, for you to 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 kind of re, re, reach out and be be that friend to to a person who's um, who's different and alone. And listeners, that is the story of uh, Andrew invented jogging. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think you're right, though. There is something very universal in that. And everybody, I suspect, has at one stage or another felt that desperate version of it. Yeah. I and, mean, not everyone. Um, uh, like the... I think that longing is a universal human experience. And that yeah, ever, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, and then, I don't, and not obviously not that specific case of only having, say, one friend or, you know, having a situation where you're separated over time or anything like that. I mean, the contours of the story are obviously different, but the universal experience of like wanting, you know, somebody or having an ideal that you, you don't necessarily chase, but of which you think and towards which you aspire. I think they are, they are universal. Yeah, I think that and then, a lot of people can empathize with that. Anyone who's ever like held, held held a candle for somebody for like years and years and years as well will 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 kind of empathize. I think so, yeah. and I don't think that's such an unusual thing. Yeah, and I um, sus- I suspect like particularly yeah uh, particularly young men 
And particularly, say, young men in the 90s, maybe. Maybe yeah. that's why it is so popular, relatively speaking. Because here's the thing. I know for me, anyway, that, 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 like, well, I've probably spoken about it too much on the podcast, but uh, that, 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 like, there, there's, there can be a, a, there can be a large separation between the point at which you realize that you, that you like somebody, um, the point at which you would ever be able to speak two words to them and, and the point at which they would, they would actually maybe, um, like you back. Yeah, you know, so the 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 kind of um, that longing can be very kind of real um, for people, and sometimes it can be the foundation of relationships, and sometimes it's just kind of like a, a sort of a sad thing. Yeah, so know? sometimes it becomes a train wreck. Sometimes it's nothing at all, and sometimes it results in love. It's you know, yeah, yeah, it can be these things, and I think that yeah, I think that you're right that Forrest Gump has a very simple narrative in that respect, but one that is, is universal and one that, you know, people can empathize with. Like, I never have elements a, of it yeah. that, that will touch different people. So, so like, some of the things I've spoken about there, having that kind of um, uh, experience in, in, in childhood or, or, or even outside of childhood where somebody is kind to you and where it's the exception. Have it, have, having this experience where you've you've been in love with or infatuated with somebody for like uh, for like Years. a decade or decades yeah. and in and it finally kind of like um, uh, happening the 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 experience of having I suppose somebody somebody walk out on you because because they 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 can't be with you yeah um, or even just ha- the experience of having somebody walk back in to your life as well. Having yeah. somebody who you thought was lost or adrift to have been drawn back to you, whether you want to believe that yeah, it's by whole, chance or by choice. It's a flame thing. It's a kind yeah. of a cliche almost. Well, it's a cliche, but it, it is. It's, a, it is a cliche, but it's, it's not it's, just it's, almost. Yeah, but it, it is something that is a cliche because it, there's truth in it. Yeah, and and the the Forrest, Forrest Gump is a cartoon character akin to Woody from Toy Story. Like the uh, oftentimes like the voice is 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 sometimes like similar when when, you know when how, he's like yelling. You know how Tom Hanks came up with the voice, the accent for Forrest Gump? How? He couldn't crack it apparently. He couldn't figure out what he was supposed to do until they actually brought in the actor who was going to be playing young Forrest, the child Forrest. Ah. And he naturally had that accent. I think he, he was, was from, from Alabama. I think he was from Kansas, possibly, or somewhere around oh, there. Alabama people would be very annoyed. Uh, but <laughs> like... but it, that's where that's where Hanks came from. He reverse engineered the child's accent as his sort of adult speaking voice, which is kind of cool. Ah. And basically, so that's that's why he speaks the way that he does. And it's it's remarkable because it's an iconic accent. Everybody, we have both tried to do Forrest Gump accents on this podcast. I'm sure that listeners, when they heard we were doing Forrest Gump, immediately went to the place where they said Forrest Gump out loud in the Forrest Gump voice. It's it's something that is is instantly recognisable and iconic about the film. And I think Hanks is a big part of that. Like Hanks is somebody joked that like um he won the Oscar for Philadelphia the year before Forrest Gump was released, at which point he became like an American icon. The release of Forrest Gump made him an American saint. You know, it was the point at which, like, he became the embodiment of American decency, almost. And and he's very good in this. Like, like there's moments of of real. There are moments that are very the uh, funny. 
there 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 are moments that are very touching there 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 are very simple moments where he's not doing very much but you're looking at him and thinking he's really good yeah like like there the the um there is the and it, it it's it, it, it there's so much in this movie that's really kind of like iconic yeah there's so many kind of moments in this movie that people can point to, even exactly. if they haven't seen it like, in years. And even, even like, like this scene, say, for example, when they've just, um, they've just finished walking around DC all night. And there, okay. there's, there's a scene there where he's, um, he's standing there and her, her boyfriend, Wesley. From, yeah. From 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 Stanford is like oh I'm I'm sorry um, uh, I'm just uh, so mad at Johnson. And, um, uh, he says uh, he, he's like you know what I think I think she should go back to Greenbow, Alabama. And the but like that's the kind of bit that people remember but there's other bits in that scene that are that are equally as kind of like like Impressive. the way the way he he gives this kind of like uh, look to her cuz she's kind of going away and he's kind of half smiling but also kind of sad yeah because she she she's leaving again and then he he kind of narrows his eyes looking at at at, at, Wesley. at, at Wesley She's at the back of the bus, kind yeah. of waving. Gives the peace sign. He gives the peace sign back. There, and I mean, it, 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 it does, <clears throat> it does sound like all a bit kind of like daft and and yeah. and and tried in that, but it, it works really well. Well, it's a, it's a testament to Hanks in in some. And yeah, like, it's like, just I mean, a it's a great performance. And I mean, like this is is the thing you could argue. He sells it. I th- I suspect that I'm trying to think of an example before Hanks where a character <clears throat> played a character with a disability in the hopes of winning an Oscar. But I suspect Forrest Gump is very much the codifier in that respect and remains one of the great examples of a performer like seeking awards glory playing a character who is mentally or psychologically impaired, who is like who is disabled or or kind of who is not necessarily you know, but sort of... this isn't though like a heartbreaking um, story of um, of a overcoming. man overcoming his um, disability or, or yeah or, or, or is, 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 like he he's he's below normal IQ. He's yeah, 75, 80 is what you need to get into an elementary school. Yeah. So I mean, we probably went to elementary school with people. Forrest <laughs> <laughs> Gump level. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, but I, I do think. I that guess we didn't go to elementary school. But, I, um, I suspect, though, that a large part of like the I Am Sam generation, or even the stuff that Robert Downey Jr. was mocking in Tropic Thunder, can trace its roots back to Tom Hanks here. But you forget, as you point out, how good Tom Pink Hanks Pink is. Oh. Yeah. Tom the president. Yeah. <laughs> They gave you um, the Congressional Medal <laughs> of Honor, but yeah, there's there's a lot of that there. Like, there's a it's a really great performance, and Hanks is like Hanks. It's Hanks is great. I I absolutely adore Hanks, but you forget how great Hanks was in the nineties. Like, he's sort of he's, he's he's still doing stuff, and he's still interesting. He's still always good, even in those like Dan Brown movies. Right, um, he's still good in those. But when you look at stuff like this, those are and, huge. Yeah. They are. And like, he, if you were to say to Tom Hanks, like, I think you should stop doing those Dan Brown movies. 
You'd be like, are you insane? Yeah, I like What money. is wrong with yeah. you? I, like, but it, and, and not, it's not just money. Like, money is a product of, 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 of sales, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they, and and these are these are huge movies that 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 that, that people want to see. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's. But yeah, no, and and but you sort of you look at this, you look at obviously Saving Private Ryan, so that you look at Philadelphia, and it's just so great. It's like there was a like Tom Hanks as an avatar of America in the nineties, and it's just perfect casting. You know, this was almost Bill Murray. Really? Yeah, which would have been a fascinating I choice. I don't know how you would have done that. <laughs> a part of me suspects that would have been closer to the movie that I was pitching earlier before we got to the spoiler zone, which is like the wry... I think Robert Zemeckis has described the film as a dark comedy. I have a, an easier time believing that Forrest Gump could be a dark comedy with Bill Murray in the lead as Absolutely. compared to, uh, to obviously, Tom Hanks. No, because uh, <laughs> Tom Hanks is America's sweetheart. <laughs> he is, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, like, he, he, um... It's like you, I could never imagine a movie, for example, have you, seen, um, have you seen What Lies Beneath, which is obviously, it's actually another Robert Harrison Zemeckis Ford? movie. Yes. Yeah. I could I never. Have none. Oh, okay. I have um, um, Himself and Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes. Okay, you haven't seen the movie, so I can't really talk about that then. But there's We're in the spoiler zone. I'm, we are in the spoiler zone. Uh, but it's a Robert Zemeckis movie, and it hinges on one of the most beloved American actors of his generation, basically subverting that in a horrific and brutal manner. Um, and it works very well because it's so uncomfortable watching that character, that actor, behave in such a manner. And I could never imagine... And it's similar to Training Day with, say, Danzel Washington, where, like, a large part of why Training Day works is because Danzel Washington is also America's sweetheart. Um, and he's basically, you're watching him basically, like, dismantle that image in front of your eyes. <laughs> I can't imagine what Training Day starring Tom Hanks would look like. The funny thing about that kind of move with an actor is that some people do that and then it's just difficult to come back. Like, uh, uh, I can't imagine Kevin Bacon as a good guy in a movie. <laughs> after Sleepers. Yeah. yeah. And after, like, uh, he seemed to have, like, a run of them. Where, like, The River Wild and, like, um, what Hollow was it? Man. Hollow Man. Yeah. And, uh, Sleepers. All of a sudden, he's a villain. Yeah. He's not that kid from Footloose anymore. Yeah. Or was it Murder in the First, where he was the poor, innocent victim on Death Row or whatever? Yeah. Um, it's like, no, I would happily see no, that he guy did executed. It. Yeah. I'm fairly <laughs> sure that he did it. Yeah, um, and there is an element of that, and I, I like that he also plays with that in the Woodsman. Where he why, plays. Why is he trying to um, ob, ob, upset this ordered community by introducing dance? Probably <laughs> next will be drugs and murder. <laughs> Going back and watching early Kevin Bacon movies can be an unsettling experience. Yeah, it's hard to imagine Tom Hanks doing something like that, though. Is is what I'm like when it comes to Forrest Gump. Yeah, like, it's hard to imagine him doing a dark, twisted version of Forrest Gump or anything like that, or doing a movie where it turns out that he's less than perfect. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the um, like, if, if it had been, if the roles were reversed and you had, like, um, Jenny playing uh, ping pong and... Um, Influencing Elvis uh, yeah. and, and inspiring uh, John uh, Lennon. But meanwhile, Forrest Gump, played by Tom Hanks, is it's taking all cocaine. these... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Performing at nudie shows, yeah. Getting HIV. And, yeah. Oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> yeah. but, oh, different movie. Different movie, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
But uh, yeah, I can't imagine that. That would just wouldn't work. And I feel like a large part of the sweetness of Forrest Gump and a large part of why the sweetness of Forrest Gump works arguably much better than it should is down to Hanks. He's just perfect. Yeah, because he plays like a killer in Road to Perdition. Yeah, but he's yeah, at the same time. Killer, like, yeah, like you, you, <laughs> you, you, you just like trust him implicitly, like in spite of everything he's done. And, and yeah, and like Paul Newman um, uh, uh, saying saying to like Tom Hanks's character is like. He's basically has this uh, monologue that I'm going to butcher where he, he's like, um, hell is waiting for us all. And like all this sort of <laughs> stuff is like, no, not Tom Hanks. Yeah. No, that couldn't be like... The devil's sitting there hoping that one day he might through some loophole get hold of Tom Hanks. But yeah. it isn't happening. He keeps, yeah, he, he, he keeps like um, uh, the, the devil challenging, challenges Tom Hanks to ping pong. <laughs> it just <laughs> never like, wins. No, no, it's like I'll race you for it. <laughs> But uh, interesting fact, you know that like as as much attention as the movie's computer-generated imagery got for inserting Tom Hanks into historical footage, they actually used a lot of it for the ping-pong scenes. Really? A lot of the ping-pong scenes are computer-generated. Obviously, um, Dan's, that was good, though. Lieutenant Dan's like, Like, yeah. you could tell it was computer-generated, because there's no way Tom Hanks could be that good. I'm sure he spent a bit of time. He doesn't strike me as the kind of actor who who, who would be like, I'm... I'm like um, phoning it in. Like no, he, nor does he strike me as the kind of actor who would be like Keanu Reeves level of like uh, the preparation that he did for John Wick. I'm sure if if there had been ping pong in John Wick uh, Chapter Two, he <laughs> would he would be, be just yeah. as good as that. Um, but they, so like that was really good um, CGI, and I think it's easy to do because ping pong's are going so fast. Yeah, but you can't really notice it's just a blur of pixels anyway, so it yeah. doesn't matter if the ball doesn't look like a ball in motion because it's moving so fast that you're not paying attention to it. Mm. I mean, is is it worth pivoting then to some of the post-history stuff that Darren is, is kind of going to want to talk about with this? Yeah, but it, it's, so, it's so surface, isn't it? Like, the, the stuff like, like the... Um, what should we call it? The uh, is it brown? The, oh, the board of education. Yeah, the, yeah, the board of the, education the, and the um, yeah, the the with Wallace, the National George Guard Wallace. and yeah, George Wallace obstructing yeah. the door and stuff. And then uh, it's like uh, many years ago, many, <laughs> um, someone tried to shoot him, and and then it it kept on putting like all of these assassinations in like one after the other. And yeah, so you have it, Reagan, you have. Ford, you have Kennedy, you have Bobby Kennedy, you have Wallace, you have all these key figures who were assassinated or an assassination attempt was made on their lives. Here's John the thing, Lennon. Though, John Lennon, for example, as well. Here's the thing, though. I I actually quite like that aspect of it, the fact that the movie keeps jumping forward to those assassination attempts, because it gives you a sense of what Forrest Gump is offering to, to people and to, I think, a certain generation of people. In that the second half of the American century, or the second half of the 20th century to Americans, and I mean to a lot of people in general, often seem chaotic and arbitrary and random. And I mean, there's this great discussion, um, I don't have the quote to hand, but one of the guys who's written it at length about the Kennedy assassination, his theory on why like people are so obsessed with conspiracies about it is because it's easier and more comforting to believe that somebody was in control of what happened on the 22nd of November in Dallas, than it is to believe that some random person 
could shoot the president of the United States, that everybody is vulnerable all of the time to the winds of chance and fate and so on and so forth. And like, I think that's what Forrest Gump is sort of getting at there when it shows all those assassinations, because it's basically like, this is how chaotic and turbulent the America, the tw- second half of the 20th century has been. All of these figures who are supposed to be key leading lights and inspiring the sort of sources of like guidance and people who would lead or who would like inform or shape culture have found themselves sort of subjected to like chance, shot in a kitchen, shot in a car. We didn't have any Martin Luther King. Yeah, we should. Uh, it's it, as somebody's pointed out. It's telling that the two big assassinations, it's a big kind of absence, and and, and, and Malcolm X and Malcolm X. Those are the two big assassinations that the film misses, and we should talk about that because you you sort of alluded to that when you talk about the surface level stuff. Yeah, because this is very much, and part of me hopes that it was Ryan self aware, but suspects that it wasn't. This is very much a a kind of a well-meaning but very oblivious look at american history that sort of obscures the way that racism has shaped and and informed part of it and glibly refers to it like it's worth noting that the first thing that the film uses like tom hanks inserted into historical footage to do is to put tom hanks in a kkk outfit from birth of a nation by w uh, they didn't have to film that either (laughs) They just had that lying around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they, they, um, okay, Tom. Um, we're going to use that whole movie that you have. Yeah. But um, it is interesting that, like, the first thing the film does... Famous like, racist yeah, Tom first, Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's okay if only because we figure he's too decent to sue us for defamation. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like there is um, there is something there in the fact that, like, the first... <laughs> type it up on his typewriter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Send it up to us. But um, but there is something in the fact that, like, it's not Kennedy. It's not um, that sort of, like, Mississippi case with the, you know, with the Wallace. The first thing that the film decides to insert into historical record is Tom Hanks as a member of the KKK. And it's to draw attention to, you know, this idea of his one of his... Grandfather. His grandfather yeah, yeah. being a founding member. And then brushing it off with, like... Gump completely missing the yeah. point and the subtext His of it. Mom seems to give him poor lessons, yeah. uh, like like um, on 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 some very basic things. It's like like Mama, why am I called Forrest? And it's like that's just a reminder that uh, sometimes people do silly things. It's like is that the real reason, Mama? No, no, it's because your ancestors were racist and <laughs> sometimes do silly things like. Create institutionalized systems of racism. Yeah, right? yeah, and 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 we kind of thought that would be a, a, a appropriate. Yeah, yeah, but now now that it's the nineties, it, it, yeah, it feels a little wrong. The the um, but even his, his mama also teaches him that um, a vacation means when you go away and, <laughs> and never, never come, come back. back. Which is a little bit disturbing and confusing. It is worth pointing out in terms of... You're telling a simple child this <laughs> as well. Yeah, he's going to internalize this. Yeah. It is worth, like, even the stuff like the George Wallace thing, where, you know, you have that sort of... It's treated as a joke in the context of the film, where it's like... All right. What's going on? Coons are trying to get into school. Coons? Well, raccoons trying to get on our back porch. Mama just chasing them off with a broom. 
Not raccoons, you idiot. And it's ha ha ha, funny. And when he gives uh, one of the students her book back, it's meant to show how decent he is because he's completely oblivious to the existence of racism, which feels very much like the film is saying the key to solving racism is not to talk about racism. It's just to be nice. It's like you can solve racism by just being nice. You don't have to talk about the institutionalized structures of it. You don't have to talk about the history of it. You don't have to acknowledge that, you know, slavery existed and that black people, you know, have historically... In- whoa, 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 what? Slavery? What are you talking about, Darren? Um, but yeah, there's there's a weird sort of like... It, it is, when you say post-history, it's a wiping and cleaning of history. It's like Forrest Gump never has to reconcile or face the fact... Or acknowledge the the existence of like these problems. He just bumbles through and never has to like face them. He just sort yeah. of yeah. He he he, he provides solutions because he doesn't have any weight of of, of history upon of him. history. Yeah, like 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 um, he he's he kind of um himself and Boba um become um like best friends, brothers from from another mother because they and and they they. It's like Even Lieutenant Dan, Lieutenant Dan is like, twins. are you twins? And they both look at each other, and it seems like they're kind of uh, processing things because they they are peas in a pod. They're like peas and carrots um, <laughs> be, 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 because they're both these simple Alabama uh, people, yeah. and they're both privates in the army. But one of them is white, and one of them is black. Do we want to talk about uh, about Bubba? We should probably talk about Bubba. Bubba is an interesting character. Makita Williams does a great job uh, because the character could be very unfortunate and probably, if we're being honest, is a little bit. Yeah, I I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know how people felt at the time, but I I I, I could see that Darren was like looking over me. I, I was looking at Darren and like. To be honest, I'm fine with it, and, yeah. and it's not for me to say whether, yeah. whether because I'm sure, um, like uh, like we learned recently with with Apuna Hasapina Patalon, yeah. uh, it's the, not for white people to say that these portrayals are exactly, yeah. But uh, I mean, that's obviously quite a different thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, the, the 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 I suppose it was like the uh, yeah the the first thing Lieutenant Dan says to him is. Is he comments on 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 his big uh, lips and yeah. says like careful you don't like set it's off a, a tripwire trip with that yeah which is not the most racially sensitive thing that you could say to a black person yeah yeah it would it would it would be things like that wouldn't really maybe get greenlit today yeah where, I, where 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 it it's it's not it's not just that it's an actor with 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 big lips it's that the actor is also kind of. Um, or maybe makeup, or, or pantomime yeah, or yeah. sort of pushing it forward. They're they're uh, they're they're kind of like playing it as a kind of um, yeah yeah. But it, like I'm not really qualified to talk about that. Yeah. But it did kind of the the what it the it kind of smell test for 21st century uh, um, racism or or sort of awareness or or yeah. sort of sensitivity perhaps. But that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> um, but no, there is, though, this thing that plays throughout the film. Like, it is worth noting Forrest Gump is very much, if you if you read it entirely straight, it's a very conservative uh, movie. It is a very conservative movie. And a big part of that conservatism um, is the movie's 
belief in uh, God and in uh, in destiny and fate. Although, yeah. again, this is this is the thing where I think the movie is more nuanced than a lot of people give it credit for because you have the conversation at the end where Forrest, where like. Lieutenant Dan has this big thing about how he's got this big divine destiny that's been defined for him. And that destiny is to die in all of America's wars, which kind of seems like a very dark comedic beat. Um, And then that's sort of taken from him and somehow him not dying becomes a source of like existential angst. We find out that he will die in one of the American space war (laughs) of the 21st century Um, because he has the because he has the same titanium that they have in the in the space shuttle shuttle. so it's like oh magic (laughs) magic (laughs) legs um uh and yeah I I did it was like a callback to um to 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 him saying like if 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 you own a shrimp boat um i'll, I'll be, be your, your first, first mate officer. if you own a shrimp boat well i'm going to be an astronaut yeah and then in the, it, it, like in that scene i'm i'm still kind of kind of confused watching it cuz i don't know is it trying to say that he's not an astronaut but he's got titanium space legs, space legs space which is kind of the same thing or it's as close as he'll get because he's a double amputee, and, and but it, but <laughs> also but, is Gary Sinise making Apollo thirteen yet? Yeah, yeah that is true. Oh, plus plus presu- Tom Hanks, <laughs> but yeah, Tom Hanks as well. Presumably in space as well. It's it, it like ha- not having ha- legs, not having legs big isn't as much of an issue yeah. because of the whole kind of zero, zero gravity, gravity thing. Yeah, and um, thing. <laughs> 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 Darren and Andrew speak English good. Well, you know that, for example, one of the things that was in the book but taken out, because the, the, apparently the book was a lot more wry and sarcastic and mean-spirited than the film was. In fact, Zemeckis has talked about one of Roth's greatest accomplishments, the writer, was in smoothing it over and giving it like a sugary texture. But in the in the, in the the book... Something that you like, Darren. I do like sugary textures. But in the book, Gump gets sent into space, for example, at one point. Um... So, like, I feel like they have to trim that. Maybe that line is a nod to that, as well as Gary Sinise being in Apollo 13, as well as his space legs. But I, I do think that there is... Like, Does the... Gary Sinise ever talk like... I feel like his voice in the movie changes at certain points. <laughs> There's a certain point where he's like... And, uh, um... I like Gary Sinise in this because he's playing as much of a cartoon as as um, as, as, Gump. as Gump in some ways, in that he's he's got this sort of like very grisly Vietnam veteran. Like we watched all of Oliver Stone's movies and distilled them down into a supporting character quality to them that works, I think, relatively well. Yeah, and I, I thought the, the character was quite good because you kind of like establish like a couple of things. It's like. Um... Uh, he really cares about his feet. Yeah, yeah. So, Irony. like, make 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 sure you put socks on your feet. Yeah, which you have now. Yeah, the movie's not a subtle movie to be. No, fair. the the, <laughs> the movie is so unsubtle. The the um. Don't you love her as she's walking out the door? As, as she's, she's walking, walking out, out the door. The door. <laughs> yeah, and it, um, the 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 musical um, kind of cues they say like, oh, it's this like is, the starter set of like um, you know <laughs> of like American rock. Uh, straight from uh, uh, San Francisco, California, it's Bobby Dylan. 
um, sing, singing how many roads. Must uh, a man walk down. Um, shortly before, Forrest Gump runs down all the roads in the country. Yeah, there's a lot of that in there. But to get back to what you were saying there about it being a conservative movie and it having ideas of destiny. Like, I think maybe it's more nuanced on this than you're giving it credit for. Because I think... Like, like at some point, it won't be conservative to, <laughs> to, um, to, to, to have all of these old-fashioned values. Yeah. Um, I, 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 be, be, uh, well, sorry, sorry. Um, um, it depends what you, I suppose, you mean about, uh, by conservative. Uh, but like, like I, I feel like I've, it's nobody's business. But I think I've said on the podcast before that I believe in God. Um, yeah. the, 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 but um, yeah, there, there. For for me, there was a very, there was a very strong current of the of it in this movie. I think at the end when he's telling, when he's telling, is it he's his talking. is it his son or is it um, no no it's Jenny it's Jenny, it's Jenny. It is, he's, he's he's visiting he's, the grave he's. He's telling her about all of the things. No, that all of the things he saw when he was running. Ah, yes, yes. So yes, he's yes. talking about like the the reflection where it looked like two skies and on the top one, of and, one another. Yeah, and uh, the desert where he couldn't tell where heaven ended and earth began. Yeah, and, and all, I mean, all all of this kind of like wonder that he has in in this kind of run at the kind of majesty of of creation. the American continent in particular it's designed to emphasize the aspects of the American continent as well which is quite a westward push yeah there is quite literally but then it, there's an eastward push but then yeah. there's a westward push again so it all balances out but there is yeah there is that aspect of it there as well and there's also i think in say the way that the movie treats jenny uh, it's kind of interesting. We like this is a movie that is an artifact of the '90s in many ways, shapes, and forms. Oh yeah, no, but, I wanted to talk about that because Jenny is like this fallen woman who does drugs Jenny is this and punching has, bag. has sex with with more than one uh, man, man who isn't the lead character in this movie. Damn it! Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's an argument that's been made, and I think it's a good one, even if I don't entirely agree. But that Forrest represents the mainstream American experience of the second half of the 20th century. So he he does stuff like he meets the presidents, he goes to Vietnam, he invests in Apple stock, he becomes an entrepreneur, he invents jogging. You know, he does all these sort of mainstream things that he people find... He becomes very him. rich, like yeah. everyone of his generation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and now lives in Florida, probably, spending like 85% of his income on healthcare and will never die. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas... Whereas Jenny, on the other hand, embodies the counterculture. She's the one He's who gets like, sucked. like, opioid crisis? What crisis? I've got plenty. Uh, sorry. I've got all my painkillers. Um, but whereas, on the other hand, Jenny gets sucked into an underculture of, like, cocaine and heroin and strip clubs and free sex and, you know, HIV and, oh, by unprotected have sex. You have you had this new HIV? Yeah. It's, sorry. It's um, grade A. But there is an element of, like, Jenny being basically punished for indulging in, like, the anti-war movement. Even yeah, her boyfriend. And I think a lot of people bought into that as a sort of... Um, as the sort of narrative of HIV AIDS. Yeah, but it was punitive. Of, 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 of it being the, the, the consequence of the, the debauchery of the 70s and 80s. Yeah, the sexual liberation. I mean, yeah. like, 
This is interesting because the film was released in 1994, right? Which was several months before the Republican Revolution, which was this big red conservative wave that swept across American politics under Newt Gingrich. They took control of the the House, both houses. You know, they basically, and you had this sort of argument for like compassionate conservatism that gave way to trying to impeach President Bill Clinton because of he had an, an extramarital affair with an intern. You had this sort of very conscious, like moral majority culture war thing going on. And part of that uh, was involved in like a, a discussion and a reconceptualization of what the 60s meant in American popular culture. Because historically, during the 70s and even into the 80s, there was this attitude of the 60s at the time of social revolution rebellion in which like liberal forces basically made arguments against the establishment and they weren't always successful, but some of their criticisms were valid and worth taking on board. Well, you see by the amount of people, like, like pe- people say these days... The institutions that were established that we have established are being eroded, and people get very, very kind of um, upset, and rightly so, about who's in in the White House. But they talk about it in 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 terms of like we used to have kind of institutions in this country. In 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 and back in these days when there were when you were seeing all of this kind of social. Uh, when 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 one in America was seeing all of this kind of social progress, it was being built on the back of like assassinations and yeah. uh, like revolutionary rhetoric and stuff like that as well. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, but this is the thing: is that during the nineties, you had almost this backlash to the sixties, where you had, like, for example, the Republican Party line on, say, Bill Clinton's affair with Monica Lewinsky, was that this was the inevitable outcome of the moral relativism of the sixties of the sexual liberation. What you talked about with the AIDS crisis, where that was seen as like a backlash to the sexual liberation, the price that had to be paid, and you had this idea of like the you know religion becoming a more a stronger force within the Republican Party after. Reagan had built the coalition between the various three legs, the foreign policy hawks, the fiscal conservatives and the religious right. But you had them becoming more vocal and more invested and you had this sort of like silent majority that sort of Nixon had spoken about. But you had it sort of coming more to the fore during the 90s where people were like, hey, this culture of liberation and this culture of like civil rights and this culture of raising awareness of how we treat women and minorities in the 60s and 70s. Was that a mistake? Did that ruin everything? And I think you could get really uncomfortable, faint traces of that in Forrest Gump in the way that it portrays, for example, um, obviously Jenny's experience with the counterculture, but also even like her boyfriend, Wesley, who you pointed out, who is this like beatnik or sorry, peace loving sort of so and so who beats her. And yeah. then blames that's his a, anger at Johnson over it. And by the way, I love that. That, that, that that's like a very kind of uh, pointed drawing yeah. of of. And 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 that that's 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 something that conservatives um, in America can go to all the time. Is the and I think we watched Lawnmower Man too, <laughs> and they, they 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 mentioned the the kind of like millionaire hypocrite Democrats. Yeah, who like like it's it, it's it's this very kind of and it is true because like like there there's like a recent example is Harvey Weinstein. Um, 
Well, I mean, you say that that's true as well, and it is true. And Weinstein, Weinstein obviously did horrible things, and horrible things happen in Hollywood. So, yeah. But you look at stuff like Fox News. Horrible things also happened in Fox News. Yeah. I feel like it's not unique to one side of the political spectrum, and I don't. But I, I, I think it's that that the um, American political right think that there's a kind of a holier than thou yeah. attitude coming coming from the left because yeah. they want to provide kind of like free healthcare to everyone and and are generally kind of like feminist and uh yeah and then and if you if you can point to the way they behave in their individual um, lives yeah if they're um ab- abusive or avaricious or um like any of these sorts of qualities then you can Attack it's very them. easy to kind of point out the hypocrisy yeah whereas like um if 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 donald trump says something and then doesn't do it there's kind of like a consistency there because like, well, he's a swindler. So like, are you surprised? Yeah, we're not <laughs> really surprised. Yeah, right? he's a, a, a confidence a... Uh, man who, 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 who's kind of uh, made a fortune on pretending that he's made a fortune. Um, so yeah, anyway, sorry. <laughs> I, I, also worth noting that the character the, of Wesley... Don't, don't come to, to me for, specifically for, for a sharp <laughs> political <laughs> commentary. I'm sorry, I'll but get off that. There is something to be said, though, for the naming of the character Wesley, the abusive boyfriend, for the lead character in The Princess Bride, which was Robin Wright's breakout role. Yeah. It feels particularly mean-spirited that her abusive boyfriend in Forrest Gump seems to have consciously share a name. Was he definitely Wesley? Oh, yeah, he was definitely Wesley. Oh. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of that. And even, like, the Black Panthers standing by while that happens. But her dying of an illness that is not explicitly named in the script but is very clearly meant to be AIDS. Yeah, I, I like, I was convinced that it was. Named. And, and, like, they don't name it. But I went away from watching it, like, several times, thinking every single time, oh, yeah, there's AIDS. Um, <laughs> to the point that I thought that it was, like, kind of... That there were, it was probably like a monologue where it's like, she died of AIDS on a Saturday. And I still don't know what AIDS is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a... They say it came from monkeys. That's <laughs> all I've got to say about that. Um, but, yeah. it, but, um, is, it is It is very, very overtly. And there's this weird sense of like... And it is a boomer movie in that respect because it seems like... You could watch Forrest Gump as somebody who looks back nostalgically at the 40s and 50s and sees like the 60s as this huge mistake in the cultural history of America. Yeah, but uh, like there is a sense in which it's kind of like Jenny's character is, I think, an important part of her story is that she she's 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 abused um as, by her father yeah by by her father as a child and it messes her up for 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 the rest of her life i think she's unable to to have There's, like the, the there, there 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 is an extent to which that she is she is looking for something that she can't really get what from from a, a that she she she's falling for abusive relationships she's putting herself in 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 i suppose positions where she yeah yeah at the risk of sounding judgmental yeah and 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 i i think what the movie has her as this person who cares very little for herself and doesn't feel like she deserves well she almost um, commits suicide at several points she considers jumping off the bridge with Forrest after the Bobby Dylan thing she climbs up on the balcony of the hotel room 
Yeah. And I think the whole thing is that kind of... And this does happen to people, but it's a kind of a very kind of conservative caricature that, like, people people who don't engage in committed relationships do so because they're... Psychologically um, damaged. Yeah, yeah. Whether they're, like, a victim of... of of Childhood a, abuse of abuse, or or or, or come from like a, a like a broken home or some other kind of early trauma. Excuse, yeah, for... yeah, and 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 that uh, and that they like um, people use drugs because they're escaping. Uh, yeah, and and that there's no uh, chemical solution to a to 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 a spiritual problem. The truth is that some people can have difficulties with relationships um, for those very reasons. And it's also true that people self-medicate with drugs. Yeah. But it's also true that you can be you can be a healthy person and have a promiscuous self, uh, yeah. uh, self yeah. sex life. Sorry, it, it works self-sex on, it, life. It, it works on both of us. <laughs> and, you can and, be... and can be a recreational drug user without, without, without being like somehow kind of... Um, damaged or broken or exactly. having having an yeah. excuse or being a victim you know being portrayed as as a victim every, or... every, every, every everybody uses drugs of some sort yeah um, what we self-medicate with whether it's sugar or alcohol or or whatever paracetamol or movies um as one might say but i think it's interesting are the, are, when... are the sonorous tones of your favorite podcast it reminds me when you it's better when... than any drug um the highs are high but the lows are low they're fairly um, low and very low, low. But yeah, they, when you were talking about Jenny there, it reminded me of one of the things I actually quite liked about this. And again, this is one of those things where I, I, I wonder if I'm giving the film too much credit. Where you have, on one hand, Jenny's character arc is defined by her running away from things. Mm. And it's telling how many of Jenny's scenes literally end with her running away from the scene. Whether it's flagging down a truck or, you know, a, a guy driving a truck and getting in. Whether it's walking out of the, you know, apartment. Whether it's walking out of the house and getting in a taxi. Jenny's big arc is that she's running away from this stuff in her history. And she's trying to bury it and trying to hide from it. And then you have Lieutenant Dan whose big arc is that he's running towards something. He's running towards the idea of a great and heroic death. He's running towards the idea of, like, having destiny and having a purpose that is clearly delineated for him and mapped out ahead of time. And you have this idea in the film that both Jenny and Lieutenant Dan are wrong in that respect. And the correct thing to do is what Forrest does, which is just to run for the sake of running. He runs without any idea of where he's going, of where the currents will take him. Yeah, and there's no real sort of um, great plan in, in what he said. This is like another example uh, of of where um, Sally Fields, uh, uh, Mrs. Gump, is isn't maybe the best mother because he's just he's just he's just got like he he's just graduated from 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 college, college and a, an army recruiter during Vietnam comes up to him and says, um, "Have you thought about the this is this is a um, an all American." Uh, football player he could he could go off and play in the nfl and his mother is like you should listen to that man you should go die in vietnam it's worth noting by the way that sally fields who plays tom hanks mother here had previously played his love interest 
If you want to talk about the, that. Yeah, the, the, way, the way actresses age in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, not only the way that, you know, Forrest Gump treats Jenny as a character, but how it treats Sally Field as an actress. Apparently, um, apparently Tom Hanks wouldn't make that phone call. He was brought on the script uh, quite early in the process. But he was, uh, he said that he wouldn't be the one who asked Sally Field to play his mother. That was just not in his purview as much as they might want her to do so. Yeah, um, well, I, I suppose in fairness, she's also playing like a young mother. Yeah. <laughs> and aged through makeup and stuff like that as well. Yeah, um, It is, and also like in terms of like cynicism, the film does seem a little cynical in places. When we talk about the character of Mrs. Gump, her sleeping with the principal in order to get Forrest a place in school right. is, is an interesting thing because it's, not a very wholesome thing to do, but the film doesn't seem to condemn her particularly for it uh, in the same way that it condemns, say, Jenny for sleeping around later on, which I've, I always found kind of interesting about the film. Yeah, I, 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 like, I think it's sort of things like that that stop the movie from being too... Too sweet. Yeah, 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 and 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 and, and I mean, there is a certain kind of there, there's maybe a certain amount of reality about that. That's a mother in the kind of fifties, a single mother whose whose son can't get into the local kind of elementary uh, school because yeah. he's five points below IQ wise. Yeah, so so kind of what what um, I think in in the movie that's the kind of um, option. For her, which is which is sad but um i think i don't know is it trying to say that uh, the, like like what other options are available to her i suppose i don't know i just i i remember watching that scene and finding it interesting if only because the film the film isn't doesn't like for a film that has been claimed as as a conservative movie in a film that like the National Review you, named you it as the, to be more conservative. Uh, no, no, no. But I just I find an interesting little wrinkle more or nuance in its, in its conservatism is that like it's it was named as like the fifth greatest most conservative film of the past twenty five years what by National list Review. Are you? <laughs> what, what do the I National peruse? Review? Yeah. Okay. But like, for example, like that sort of stuff. Uh, Breitbart named it the most likely to succeed. No, it didn't. But um. Like, for that, I find it interesting. They make their own movies, Bright Barnes. Yeah, well, I mean, one of their founders, you know, is, is that way because he failed. Or one of the most influential figures, Bannon, went to Hollywood and failed to make any decent movies, from what I recall. He wanted to be on the inside and couldn't get there, unfortunately. But, I mean, I, I think it's interesting that a movie that is claimed as conservative has that wrinkle we in should, it. We, we, should, we should stop uh, commenting on the, on the, on the, on the Trump. Um, presidency. Uh, presidency. Although I, I, I think Bannon has 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 left. To has per, distanced per, himself. Pursue his movie making career. They, we should give them a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dave Chappelle. Um, much much appreciated. He he's he he's since then. It, like I think then was kind of like a, a a reasonable time to kind of say something like that. But since then, he's been like, yeah, okay, it's kind of clear now. That, <laughs> maybe things aren't yeah I, aren't working out yeah, exactly yeah. as expected i think what people might have yeah anyway sorry getting off that but uh and in terms of post-history and post-modernism and stuff like that interesting thing about forrest gump is that did it mainstream the idea of breaking reality that we sort of got in the 90s was it one of the great examples of a film that was accepted very broadly speaking, like by 
a large international audience as a film that sort of shattered the walls of reality, that sort of like bent history rather overtly, like through the manipulation of the historical record through footage. And I mean, we joked about how the footage, you know, is, is not necessarily, doesn't hold up perfectly today. It's not quite like that. It's like a, a, a really easy thing to get right would be to get good voice actors <laughs> to, 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 to play B. Each, Johnson and Kennedy. each president. And even, even like... Nixon like, is probably the best uh, of them, but yeah, he's the, he's Lennon the easiest. Lennon is okay. Bit. Kennedy is terrible. Lennon is okay? Uh, it's not great, but, but it kind of sounds like Lennon at the same time. <laughs> it reminds me of, was it Walk Hard, where they have like the Beatles played by Jason Schwartzman. Um, it's sort of had that quality to do it, where it's like, do a Liverpoolian accent. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, it was almost uh, 100% uh, somebody in an L.A. sound studio who um, was like, you want me to do one? Yeah, uh, you listen to the song Imagine. Yes, now do that. That's what we want you to do. But and, uh, like, um, it's, it's the mouths moving. Robert, we watched the dailies and that was not good. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's difficult to make movies. But, so, um, but I mean, for, for the time, it was groundbreaking. I mean, and yeah, it, but it's 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 really bad now. And 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 a big part of it, the live movement is bad. But also, like the voice acting could have been a lot better. And even the dialogue yeah. is like, oh, you've you've got a you've got a sh- uh, you've got shot in the ass. I'd like to I'd see quite that. Like to see that. Oh, I do love what? the reaction. I do love the reaction shot of of. Tom Hanks, like, the moment where you can see the processing going through his head, where he's like, President just asked me to show me his buttocks. Um, so, yeah, so I should do that. But I do think, is there something in there in, like, Forrest Nixon Gump? Nixon was okay, actually. Yeah, as far as voice goes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, because Nixon's the easiest one to do, I think, of yeah. the bunch. Kennedy should have been really easy to Should do. have been. Uh, like, like, Kennedy should have been a slam dunk. Yeah. Um, just hire the guys who do The Simpsons, who do a quickie <laughs> on The Simpsons in your whole set. But I mean, I feel like... And I say to you. <laughs> that man's never drank a duff in his life. Yeah. But... The, like, the, it was just... Uh, the, uh, considering they probably spent a lot of money on doing the the hard parts. Yeah. <laughs> you, the digital effects, yeah. You think that, like, writing dialogue and getting good people to, to, to do it would be the easier. Uh, that should be bit. what, what yeah. led, to the, led to the hard part. It should have been yeah, like, well, we have this great idea and like, this great voice Robert actor. Robert Zemeckis was just reading the, like, uh, sound and, uh, like, the video effects um, kind of, um, yeah, the, the, like, industry journal they have. And then brought brought that along and, and thought like oh have you got a, have you got anything written for that yet and it's like no but i'm definitely still going to put it in the movie yeah. um we'll, we'll come up with what? it on the day no religion too <laughs> um, yeah. well it's easy if you try um, and um, even even doing that now that's like as good maybe as the one that made the movie and uh uh no, no, I'm not from Liverpool. Yeah. Like, get somebody who's like a, a professional, professional John Lennon John impersonator. Lennon impersonator. There has to be some of them. There is probably somebody who who does like one of these kind of Washington kind of uh, press corps dinners each year. Who does impressions of all of the former presidents? Yeah, 
who's nearly dead. Law <laughs> <laughs> um, of averages. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah it, like, I remember when he did the first correspondence <laughs> dinner with George Washington. <laughs> it was quite the sight. Um, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> His Thomas Jefferson is on point. I'm from Cleveland. You guys don't get that. It was before no, your time. No, but that's just what he sounded like. Yeah. But um, I do. I do imagine Grover C- Cleveland sounding like that. <laughs> I don't know why. It was the, the one who got stuck in the bathroom. I did like actually the. We say that this is a very kind of um, straightforward, unsophisticated movie. But it also kind of like lampoons movies like this in 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 a lot of ways because they have the um, the scene where he's he's talking about his comrades in Vietnam and you have established nothing about these characters, <laughs> yeah. but it's like there there is uh, like Dallas who is from like uh, I don't know Phoenix. Phoenix yeah there is. Um, there, there was Cleveland, who was from Detroit. Yeah. There was Tex, who was... Oh, I don't know where he was from. I, I do love, though, that, like... The, like, the, the film sequence in Vietnam has him saving the platoon of characters who are literally named for places in America single-handedly. It's like, can you imagine? Like, I wonder what they're possibly getting at that symbolically. Forrest Gump literally saving America from Vietnam. Yeah, and they're, they're playing... They're Not only are they playing places in America, but they're playing, like, two places at the same time. Yeah, Phoenix from Detroit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's... there's um, there's an element of like I, I wonder though how much of the film because just to get to get back to it the, the breaking of reality and like because you look at this now and it's hard to watch oh we're off that Darren we're off that we've decided that we've no, decided no, no, we no, put no, a pin I'm, in that I'm kidding but I mean stuff like say the deep fake technology that Jordan um, Jordan uh, what's his name Jordan Peterson Peele was Jordan Peele Jordan Peele was talking about like the, the technology that they're using today to superimpose people's faces um, over, I think porn stars is the thing at the moment, where they will get famous people's faces and put them on porn stars. But they wouldn't also know be, anything about that. No, you haven't been reading the industry journals. But they have stuff like they did that with the Obama video, where they made Obama say various things in a video with Jordan Peele in order to illustrate the dangers of the technology that's basically allowing people to technolo- technologically rewrite history. So the manipulation of the historical record through like manipulating oh, yeah. footage and stuff like no, that. You didn't hear about this. I, I did hear about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then and and th- th- this this was like one of those things that was like shared and yeah, and sort of it went viral and stuff like that. It's kind of interesting to look at like Forrest Gump as like possibly contextualizing it in in that sort of aspect in that it combines. Stuff like, say, Oliver Stone's JFK. So, deep fakes. Why now? Yeah, why Well, this... Forrest Gump really... Opened the door for us yeah, in, in, yeah. That, in 1994. And then a matter of decades later... <laughs> we came up with this machine learning technology. I know, but I think, I think that there is something in that, in that basically Forrest Gump combines, say, the alternate histories of Take the X-Files or Take the Films of Oliver Stone, like, say, JFK or stuff like that. Which are films that consciously historicalize, sorry, consciously narrativize and distort the historical record in order to present versions of American history that don't necessarily line up with reality, and that in some ways, like Kurt Anderson would argue, could broke, helped contribute to the breaking of the sense of a shared reality in the two thousands, and even stuff like say later in the That's in the nineties. Not really new though. Like the the whole. It's a- after World War Two. 
Yeah. Kind of where where these uh, kind of I suppose on a, on a phil- thing philosophy takes a while to kind of disseminate into the mainstream. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you you could argue, yeah, he's he's quite right. He goes back to say the sixties counterculture movement, for example, which represented a rejection of accepted or or social norms or the the narratives that were being pushed by say the state or by the mainstream media and stuff like that. And you could point to that as a moment of breakage. You could point to stuff like Watergate, for example, as a moment in which the the public lost faith in a shared communal narrative set by the government. But you could also then this movie kind of like you're talking about kind of Watergate and all of these kind of things this movie is kind of like the Ready Player One of the of, of the 20th century of, yeah 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 where there was like a I think it was like a comedy bang bang where they had like Paul Shear playing like the publicist <laughs> for Ready Player One where it was like you like Donkey Kong it's in the movie <laughs> um, you like E.T. It's in the movie. <laughs> Whereas, uh, like, the, the, this is like, um, you like the Watergate scandal? It's in the movie. <laughs> you like Vietnam? It's, it's in, in the, the movie. movie. You like Apple? They're in the movie. It's it's a, a, a market kind of uh, <laughs> point where the music gets not as good. When, <laughs> when they hit the 80s. When, yeah, yeah. When when he's doing that running and, yeah. and they have this song about about running. <laughs> really? Um, That's as not... opposed to the walking out the door or how many roads must a man walk down. They're also pretty on point as far as They could have played the Tom Petty. Um, uh, 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 how, running down a dream, but that was was that in the nineties? Or shall we go to the fact machine? Check? To the fact machine. Running down. Would it be dream. petty if we went to the fact machine? Hi oh. Now we're back from the fact machine. The uh, song was recorded in between 1987 and 98, and it was released in 1989. Right. So may have just narrowly missed out. Now, keep in mind that this is... Isn't the film set in 1981, mostly? And 1982 is where Jenny passed away? Exactly, yeah. And uh, that he was born probably around 1945. Yeah. Which sort of ties into that. But I do... They, like, the, 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 they, they do play um, some Fleetwood Mac after that. Yes, go your own way. I think is yeah, it? yeah. And, but I mean, there's there's an aspect of, and it's funny that you should point to like Ready Player One and stuff like that because what what I think Forrest Gump is trying to do, and maybe why it comforts so many people and why it sort of struck a chord beyond the like universality of the um, of the relationship between Forrest and Jenny, is that it tries to create a singular cohesive narrative of the 20th century by casting Gump as its central figure. It tries to present a version of history that makes sense. It's kind of like conspiracy theory, which became a huge deal in the 90s. Conspiracy theories argue that, like, the entire crazy state of the world that we live in can be laid at the feet of one person, whether that person is a lizard queen or the, the head of the New World Order or possibly some vague anti-Semitic know, stereotype who's heading, like, globalists or whatever. Well, um, I, I, I noticed some skepticism in your tone, Darren. The lizard people are real. Wake up, sheeple. Yeah. Um, But I feel like, is Forrest Gump doing a gentler version of that? In that, is it trying to present, trying to narrativize almost the the 20th century or the second half of the 20th century? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
it, 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 but it, but it, it's it's doing it on such a kind of a surf 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 levis surf surf levis where 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 is uh, kind of wandering around and and then this happened and then and I was also there and it's it's um but where 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 there's not really any like he he i mean does it tell a story of the because the the um, well that's this is cuz he he keeps saying things like um and they shot him for no particular reason and yeah. and on all of this sort of like well he it, becomes a thread that can almost hold the 20th century together he the doesn't understand mess. the 20th yeah. century well, this is so the, how is he supposed to help other people understand but this is what i was talking to when i was alluding to is it a slightly more cynical movie than it initially seems to be because this is the thing and this is where we're going to talk about gross national stereotypes is there something cynical in the idea that the personification of the thread that holds together the second half of the American century is Forrest Gump, a man who is an idiot, a man who is not necessarily capable of understanding the forces at work in the world around him? And does that reflect the American character in some way, do you think? I think we we overestimate our own intelligence and That's underestimate American intelligence. Like if 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 they were as stupid as we thought they were, then 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 the whole I'm not system, system would have would have. Uh, but uh, but no, that 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 is the kind of like stereotype. Okay, okay. If, well, innocent. if you want to talk about stupid nationalities, yeah, let's, let's talk, talk about, about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do feel like okay, maybe stupid is the wrong word here, but innocent then perhaps. Sorry, I don't violence. think you even said stupid. I think you said idiot. Uh, yeah, yeah. But like this sort of this guy who has found himself, and I mean it. Perhaps it's a humbling stereotype, but this idea of a guy who's found himself through luck rather than his own plans at the center of all these big events, and is that does that say something about how America sees itself? Well, an, um, America never never went full simple Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, yeah, they 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 haven't made that mistake, I guess. Uh, no, well, no, I mean, sorry. Um, well, it is worth noting, for example, that the film, while it made made half its budget abroad, but significantly less than, say, other smash hits of around the same time, like say uh, Jurassic Park or say The Lion King or stuff like that. There's an element when you look at a lot of the contemporary press around the film, where foreign audiences don't seem to respond to it with the same enthusiasm as American audiences. Is there something in the portrayal of Gump as this sort of like guileless innocent who is sort of like who's almost oblivious to how the world is working, yeah, but who's found I'm, himself in a position of strength? Does that speak to how America sees itself? Maybe I, I don't know, or how it wants to see itself, or am I never, just generalizing? You never see the Vietnamese. Yes, that's... in 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 this Vietnam movie. They're just like these kind of, um, they're like behind trees, just kind of like shooting at the Americans for no reason. Yeah, there is no context. Yeah, because they did, like, they, all, a all, where all Boba the Americans talks are doing is walking. <laughs> they just spend all the time walking, and then it's like, go in that hole and check that there's not something bad in there. <laughs> and yeah. uh, You get the and, sense Forrest never actually shot his weapon. Yeah, I, no, he 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 does, but I I I I I say it's probably very confusing to him, and it's probably best that he doesn't understand <laughs> what's going on. Yeah, yeah, because it, it's like uh, um, like the the uh, trying trying to 
I wonder if his mum explained the Vietnam War through an aphorism to him. But I mean, even Bubba, for example, is like, when we take over here, I'm going to open a whole host of shrimp restaurants without any sort of uh, confusion. Yeah, it was a a real tragedy what happened in Vietnam that that America weren't allowed to win (laughs) (laughs) and open shrimp restaurants. Yeah, yeah. like the funny thing about uh, Vietnam is that Vietnam is essentially ally of, of 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 the united states in terms of like trade um in terms of certain kind of like foreign policy issues in in in, in, that in the region, region. The and also vietnam is just what kind of i guess america had in mind when <laughs> when 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 they went when they went there because it's like let's let um let's go there and create this kind of like well i mean to not not in every respect but like in terms of like an sort of open market economy where you can kind of go to a mcdonald's or whatever it it's it's not a million miles away from kind of i suppose what 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 they were trying to achieve yeah but i mean it is it is very but is there and, and like i'm i'm no expert on the, yeah. it, this is just kind of like from 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 some of the things that i've read and yeah. stuff and i mean to to pick another example there are arguments about say terrorism the current like the war on terror for example terrorism terror, but like there there's examples from the war on terror of like you know studies that suggest that like the american population have very little idea what motivates um religious extremism oh, beyond the region what? Yeah, aside from hating freedom. But, like, they don't necessarily understand the cultural and historical context that informs a lot. And that's not a judgment on Americans, to be clear. Because I imagine, like, you could argue the same about British people or about Ireland, for example, during the Troubles. Like, you could argue the same about our population knowing anything about, you know, stuff outside our own borders. It's not necessarily a judgment on, say, the American character so much as oh, yeah. a judgment on people who happen to be it, the most powerful people in the world at a given moment. I don't want to, like, generalize based on no, nationality. No, it, and it's a very easy kind of uh, uh, simple messages are easier to kind of disseminate yeah so something like say brits out that's very uh, straightforward yeah you know, as opposed and to like, here's an annotated history we're irish they're british uh they came here let's get rid of them yeah as um, opposed to here's an annotated you know sort of study of of the struggle or whatever or the yeah. the history that exists between these two nations and i wonder does forrest gump sort of get at that with its lead character who sort of bumbles through life without ever understanding the context for what's happening like it is gump the embodiment of of those people who are discussed in the, in articles that say you know that americans and, and britons don't necessarily understand why foreigners why people you know from iraq and afghanistan would try and, and attack their countries or would engage in terrorist attacks mm. is is gump basically an expression or like an avatar most of that sort of attitude well i like sometimes i i get i get like a hard time for expressing these kind of of views but the people the people engaging in terrorism if 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 the people if the people that they're attacking are kind of ignorant of 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 the reasons why these people are um are attacking them i I would so, uh, to be clear, I'm not justifying or supporting terrorism in any way, shape, or the, form. I should yeah. be absolutely 100% unequivocally clear. I, um, no, I'm, like, like, this is not an endorsement of those. There, and I, I, I have heard it said by people who know more of these things uh, than I do that um, there is no one um, kind of uh, terrorist. Yeah. There is no kind of common 
personality of uh, personality or of like intellect that identifies a a a a a, a terrorist from a non-terrorist that there are well that there are certain things but not really not maybe the th- things that you would you you would expect so it often seems to me like a very stupid thing but that's not uh, strictly speaking the case there are there are, there are, there are, but it seems a ridiculous thing to to imagine that there are, that there are terrorists who are as kind of um, in, intelligent in, in, in some ways as... Well, I don't want to say me, because like no one's as intelligent as me, but... As uh, the people who rationalize for them or whatever. <laughs> Sorry. No? Is that, was that rude? No, no. Was that I was just kind of... Uh, I, 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 could, I couldn't keep a straight face. Okay. But I, I do wonder if that is something that plays through the film. And I think that it's it's interesting to look at Gump as, as an avatar. Or is the argument that, that Gump's, the elevation of Gump, if we are to take it entirely seriously in the context of the film as it's presented to us, is that an expression of, like, anti-intellectualism in some way, shape or form? And the idea that you don't need to be smart as long as you're decent? Is this a reflection of the culture that, for example, critiques Obama for having French mayonnaise or French mustard because it's, you know, it's seen as being something that's, you know, beyond or, or you know, it's it's intellectual, it's snooty. Is it, you know, the, the culture where Britney Spears says that we should trust whatever George W. Bush says we should trust because he's the president and he knows best and it's his job? <laughs> Uh, Sorry, that was an insanely these, like, specific example. Nazis references. Yeah. Britney Spears and George W. Bush. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you, re- you, you, um, you realize you should probably throw out some of these newspapers that you have lying around. For making references. Okay, but say Rick Santorum calling Obama a snob for saying people should go to college. Like this sort getting of ad- closer. <laughs> getting closer to the present, creeping close to the present. But yeah. this idea of like, you know, the, the British public don't have no need for experts then. Have I have I landed close enough for you on that? Yeah. Is there an element of that to, to the presentation of Gump or the elevation of Gump in Forrest Gump? Well, you know what? I think decency is undervalued. That's fair. That's and, fair. And, and that there are pe- people who are very clever can... Who uh, are completely amoral. Yeah, yeah, are 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 who who, I think it's easy to kind of make a mess of of one's kind of like I guess like private life as well, while 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 being uh, presumably very very like um, clever. Whereas like there 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 is there is a there is an innocence. I guess innocence is a good word for it because it's kind of like a equivocal sort of innocence where it's a naivety. Yeah. But also a um, decency. So yeah, no, I, 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 I think I think there is something to be said about it being a an ode to decency, almost. Yeah, and maybe maybe a certain amount of anti-intellectualism um, or a satire on anti-intellectualism. But yeah. um, I thought of it personally as as more and and as you say, an ode to decency. Yeah. Here's, a, here's actually, it, it, it really touched me. They, 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 sorry. No, I was going to just quote from, from Pauline Kael, the, um, the film critic, um, who remarked of Forrest Gump, It struck me like Field of Dreams and other movies that people suckered themselves into reacting to. Somehow there's a softness in people's thinking. They're saying to themselves, you don't have to be smart, you only have to be good. But you can barely get around the corner on goodness in this society now. 
These movies do speak to something in the culture which is a desire to regress, to believe in certain kinds of values that never did operate. And I think I think Kale's being very harsh there. I think it's very cynical. I think it's perhaps a little cruel and mean-spirited. But I wonder yeah. if there is something in there. No, that is very um, cruel and mean-spirited. I think it's a ridiculous thing to say. Decency isn't something that we need more of because we never had any uh, decency. We can identify decency when we see it. So, and and to it, it I I think it's obtuse to 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 talk a, 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 about decency as some sort of inaccessible or um, illusory thing. I, no, I, I think that's ridiculous. Okay, sorry. What were you going to say before I cut across you with 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 Gail? Uh, I, I, I was just the the kind of go, going back to the kind of emotional core of the film um, of of the film. The um, Haley Joel Osment actually, yes. yeah. And we both sort of I I did a double take. I was like, is that? And you were like, yes, yes, it is. As Forrest Gump's super intelligent son. Yeah. Does anyone else have this thought when they watch the movie? And this is maybe this is going to kind of like people walk away from. So they're like, okay, so she she died of 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 AIDS, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I see where you're going here because I had the exact same thought. Yeah, so AIDS is a sexually transmitted disease. Sexually transmitted disease and can also be spread to children. Uh, children. So, and presumably, um, Haley Joel Osment was conceived, conceived relatively later in life after the hedonistic phase, which yeah. the movie would kind of imply led to the the infection. So do Forrest Gump's um, like, uh, and, and Forrest Gump himself? Yes. Yeah. So the only Forrest Gump that 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 it definitely doesn't have AIDS is the Klu Klux Klan guy, member. Yeah. yeah, who dressed in a bedsheet. Yeah. Um, but I think he was like um, I'm Forrest sure dead, Bedford. But... Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Did any, like, I wonder how many people walked away from the movie thinking. That's a kind really of, dark ending. Hold on. Did I, yeah. Did they both have AIDS? I, I guess the, the uh, evidence uh, suggests that kind of um, uh, second and third generation kind of AIDS babies are does but, that sound like a weird um, no, I, uh, phrase and are better off in terms of but again um, this is 1982 so I mean yeah. one imagines it isn't particularly uh, the uh, the prognosis isn't particularly optimistic not in great sense. like uh, yeah well, I, I, I don't know like they, it's 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 possible that whatever um, Tom Hanks uh, uh, Forrest Gump has is um, going, going to like I guess um, counteract um, the, the virus um, because he definitely has something. There's, it's not just that he is like an IQ of seventy five. He can also run like the wind, and he he, he span the country, span several the country times, like yeah. several times. He play play ping pong um, against the Chinese, which is interesting because like, he is some sort of a superhuman kind of idiot savant. Well, that's it. the The novel made him explicitly an idiot savant, which is uh, I think an outdated term. But the the novel referred to him as such in relation to his yeah, sporting I, I, ability I, and his I music need to ability. Be taught these things. Okay, sorry, Andrew. Um, <laughs> but they. Um, 
they didn't the novel which is much more cynical uh did explicitly make him talented in terms of music and sport the film just seems to accept that he can do whatever he sets his mind to the limita- the only limitation is that his mind can only be set on certain things right music yeah, yeah in in the novel um in the in the source material which interestingly interestingly enough do you know that the author of the film the author of the book signed a back-end deal to earn money off the uh, off the net earnings or the gross earnings? The gross earnings, I think it back-end was. Back-end deals always sound so well, seedy, They do they? sound so shady. Yeah. But he, he, made a, he made a deal to get points off the back-end, if you will. <laughs> um, but he... That sounds better. <laughs> that sounds much better. But apparently... You got my points. Apparently, despite the fact the movie made something like $700 million worldwide, Paramount managed to use their accountancy department to insist that somehow it didn't turn a profit (laughs) and so avoided paying him any money whatsoever. To the point where when he eventually wrote a sequel uh, novel to Forrest Gump, which is titled Gump and Company, uh, the opening line of the book consists of don't ever let them make a movie of your life. Even the stuff that they get right, they'll still manage to screw up horribly. Uh, but apparently they did settle uh, eventually by paying him an undisclosed seven-sum figure. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Zemeckis and Hanks took money off the net earnings. Um, so they, they actually got the points, despite the fact it technically wasn't profitable, um, according to uh, Hollywood's wonderful accounting rules. Okay. So, um, yeah, it did... It, it... Damn, the writer, writer though, he only got seven figures in the end. Yeah, but I mean, one imagines better than nothing, and he sold the rights to I his. I mean, he's... In, in, like seven seven figures can can like you li- you can live an okay life. <laughs> On I seven suppose, figures with se- seven figures, and but he also he also how sold... many figures did he want? <laughs> that is the question. How many figures did he deserve? Um, he also um, earned, he also sold the rights to Gump and Company. <laughs> like um, the movie which, only made nine figures. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, technically he got a percentage, right? But, I mean, the, it depends on which seven figures they were. Seems like he got a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, anyway. The, the, That's how numbers work, right? Yeah. yeah. Seven is almost <laughs> nine. Um, but the, he did have, um, he sold the rights to Gump and Company. They were working on a sequel. They eventually shelved it because apparently after 9-11 wasn't the right time. Um, <laughs> Nothing's the right time after 9-11. Yeah, well, I mean, one wonders what it could have been. What like, you there was that Onion article about like, a 14-year-old kid who's, who's not going to masturbate on the anniversary of 9-11 um, because it would be insensitive. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. But it is interesting to note, if you look at the, the IMDb track record of the film, so if you look at where it ranked on the list, it's one of those, it's one of the 121 uh, 100%ers. It's always been on the list basically since the dawn of time. But it was actually at its lowest ebb um, in early 2001. Sorry, how many of... 121? Yeah. These all... are the 121 movies that we should probably do first. <laughs> we should prioritize covering, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. The ones that... The amount of movies that we're going to cover that will uh, we'll leave this list. Yeah. Um, and be completely pointless. Yeah, let's do all, like, Amadeus. Uh, we've covered that. Leon. Um, Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> it's probably not going anywhere. This... But I mean... Interesting enough, we should it, do the help. That's not going anywhere, apparently, right? Apparently, it's just hanging on in there. But if you look at the sort of curve of its ascent, 
It sort of climbed up. Oh my goodness. Up. It climbed up dramatically following um, the 9-11, basically. So it climbed up dramatically from 2001 to the present day. Coincidence? Um, I think not. Well, I, wa- I wonder if that was like a yearning to nostalgia, if that was an appeal to nostalgia. If all of a sudden after the events of 9-11, the idea of the comforting sort of like narrative of the 20th century became a lot more, you know, a, a lot e- easier to embrace. Or am yeah. I just generalizing? Am I being too broad? Am I... Doing that thing that Darren does where he likes to ask rhetorical questions quickly in, in rapid succession. So Andrew can't answer. I, 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 I guess it's like I'm, 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 I'm going to I'm going to try and engage uh, with, <laughs> with, with the words that are coming out of your mouth. Uh, the, the, Some of them in random order. Um, the, the, we'd have to look at the reviews. It's like recently planes crashed into the World Trade Center. But <laughs> I, I, I rewatched Forrest Gump, and yeah. boy, does it hold up! Yeah, it was much better. Yeah, than, than that terrible thing that happened. Oh um, no, and 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 it reminds me of of of, of when things were simpler. But, but um, because like you are, you 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 may be onto something in terms of like the. the this is something that I guess I've learned from from reading your book, Darren. <laughs> Uh, yeah, still, still, um, still av- an all-time av- bestseller. Still available. Yeah, um, yeah. Bucket loads of it, but uh, yeah, you can you can order it online from Amazon or or wherever good books are sold. You don't say with books, um, hurry because we'll run out, do you? Because presumably, if they run out, they'll you do just another. Print more, yeah, yeah. Hopes. Uh, unlike our merch. Yeah, which in is fact, very at, limited. At the at, at the time you're listening to it, it might be sold out. Yeah, so get in there quickly, guys. Yeah. But anyway, you were saying... Was I? I believe you were. And uh, From reading my book. From I was very eager. Book. My ears oh, were yes. burning. Yeah, I from, was like, from, feed me from compliments. Reading your I'm book. very needy. It, no, it's, 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 it's a very kind of salient point that's made in it. it, it, it and, and, and that the, the, the X-Files is kind of like capturing this zeitgeist of, of the 90s that I guess the Forrest Gump is doing to an extent as well. Where they're they're um, uh, look looking at the kind of um, uh, anxieties and 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 also the way kind of um, Forrest Gump looks at history as this thing that happened. Yeah, and doesn't make any sense. And where are we now? And what the hell does any of this mean? I think Forrest Gump provides reassurance, even if it doesn't provide answers. It provides a sense of, you know, we are all the feather blowing on the breeze. It, we just have to trust the breeze that will feather. take us where we're meant to go. Like, yeah, that you... does not do anything <laughs> for me anymore. I did, the start did of the ever... movie and the end of the movie, I'm sure it must have. The combination of that feather and that music, <laughs> you're like, oh, come on. Seriously? Wow. No. No, no. no. They're actually doing this? They're doing yeah. this? The, no, it, it, it seems like a, like a ridiculous um, uh, thing to put in a movie, and then you become so glad that for the rest of the movie, <laughs> there's no better. He, well, yeah, but not only that, but they've also kind of um, used all of this pop music, so they from... don't use Mar- Alan Silvestri's theme. Sometimes they go straight from one into another as well. Yeah, it's, well it's they have like a Doris montage yeah. at one point, and <laughs> they always go with like the most uh, the obvious. obvious thing. So, like, they had Fortunate Son uh, uh, by uh, um, Clearance, 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 Clearwater, Clearance Revival. Clearwater Revival. Sorry, um, is the first song that plays uh, when when he lands in 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 Vietnam, and it's like, wow, 
Um, <laughs> Couldn't but, have like, dug deeper. How, no deeper How many cup. of these songs are just really obvious because we've seen Forrest uh, Gump? Come. That's a fair point. Yeah, like <laughs> the, and yeah, like similarly to to the que- to the, the question I had cousin. earlier about kind of like. How much has, does this movie speak to my own experiences and how much has it imprinted upon me to where I will um, attach emotional me. significance to to events in my life that remind me of Forrest Gump? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. Forrest Gump has you. Um, so is there anything else that we'd like to talk about when we talk about Forrest no, Gump? No, we've gone far too long. We've gone far too long. Okay, do you want to do the in-out chart? Sure. Okay, let's take a look at what's come in and gone out in the 250 over the past month. Wait a second. How? When was the last time we did the in and out chart? Is a, there going to be anything new on it? About a month ago, I think. Okay. So we've had three new entries um, and three disappearances. So what's Excitement. dropped out um, is PK, which is the Indian film that we talked about quite a bit, which yeah. is the, the one with Amir Khan. Um, the Castle in the Sky, which is the 1986 debut of Studio Ghibli. And Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, which I feel like we've talked about before. That's out? That's out. Oh. How long well, it will stay out? see Castle in the Sky out. Castle in the Sky needs to come back at some point so, <laughs> so we can we cover can, it. Yeah. <laughs> as part of our anime April. Um, yeah. And, and coming in, luckily enough, we traded one for one on the anime front because Akira's back in, which is good. Um, the Battle of Algiers is, is in, um, is back in, I think, as well. Sherlock Jr. is the highest new entry yes. at number 135, 154. I saw that. I saw that. That is exciting because we, we spoke about Buster Keaton's The General. Yeah. Um, and about how you were surprised that it that it, that it, that it wasn't in the list. Yeah. Um, as in that you were surprised that... Um, um, Sherlock Jr. Sherlock hadn't, Jr. Made Jr. Um, hadn't made it, but it, now, now, now no, it has. It yeah, look the, at that! It's that Darren Mooney bump. Yeah, it was that threshold to do with boats. It, it had been in. It dropped out in 2012 when they upped the uh, number of boats necessary to keep a film in the list, and it suddenly came back in, which is great to see. Um, I'm, I'm actually quite happy with that. I don't mind. I feel like that's a reasonably good trade for those three films. So, will we uh, take a look then and pick what we're going to cover next week, Andrew? Yes, yes. Let's let let's do it. So uh, one, one of these days you'll say no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. I've I've decided. Um, and We're then changing the format. I take out a piece of paper and read a prepared re- <laughs> remark. It, it it appears the right time for me to stand aside and the tyranny and of Mooney must end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I want I want the two fifty to be open to new ideas and, and new possibilities. Uh, yeah, I think change is inevitable, and yeah. Okay, um, Andrew, will you warm up the uh, the the two fifty machine there, the yes, random number yeah. generator? Uh, I'm going to speak those magic words. Uh, random are the, number. Are the bottom one hundred in there? Are the bottom one hundred in there? Yes, I believe they are. Yeah, we haven't they're, taken them out yet. They, they didn't didn't somebody else put the green balls in the machine? Yeah. Um, the the green balls that are full of that gas um, from the rock. From the rock, which um, is ironically not on either list. No. Um, so random number generator. Twist, twist, twist. Show us a movie on this list. And the movie that has come up, ooh, coincidentally, ooh. is number 248. That is a movie that we just spoke about. Can you remember, Darren, what movie that was? Akira? I could just tell you. You could it just was tell the me. Battle of Algiers. Ah, nice. I haven't seen this, actually. 
I haven't seen this at all. I'm very curious. I've heard good things about it. Let's take a look at the trailer. So it's it's a it's in French. Is it in French or is it in Italian? I'm not sure. It says uh, uh, Bataille uh, d'Algier. Um, okay. I know the director um, is Italian, I believe. Ah, okay. Um, but it may be in French because obviously it's in Algiers. So let's take a look at the trailer. Nous sommes arrivés à la moyenne de 4,2 attentats par jour. Oui, il faut distinguer les attaques individuelles et les attentats à la bombe. Nous disons qu'il y a une minorité qui s'impose par la terreur et la violence. Nous devons agir sur cette minorité dans le but de l'isoler et de la détruire. La France doit-elle rester en Algérie Si vous répondez encore oui, vous devez en accepter toutes les conséquences nécessaires. That's the 2004 um, trailer that you just heard there um, from the re-release. It was uh, remastered, I think, around then as well. It was uh, an interesting film. It was hugely controversial at the time. It was, as the trailer says, banned in France in 1965. Which you won't have seen. (laughs) But screened at the Pentagon in 2004 or 2003. So it's it's a film that is is rich and storied it's and the important. most explosive movie uh, of the nineteen sixties. Um, yeah. Suddenly, the two thousand and four. Yeah. <laughs> brought to you in twenty eighteen. Um, so we, we think we hope you enjoy. Have, you haven't seen this, I assume either. I have you? not, and it looks great. I'm, I'm really looking for and and I guess if people are if um, if people are hearing this, um, have a look at the trailer because yeah. I'm I'm excited now. Yeah, and the, the the I feel like the trailer is quite good, and that it doesn't give 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 away too much, but gives you a sense of mood as well. Yeah. And it's 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 very... exactly what you would kind of expect anyway from 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 like the title, you yeah. know. Like and from the, the it, it gives away about as much as 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 you know. It's the, like the title is the Battle of Algiers, and then you watch the trailer and you you know just as much. 
but you're also kind of more excited and, about and it. And you're guided into the style. It looks very yeah. stylistically confident. Again, I, I know great. very little about it. It looks amazing. There's lots of really nice sort of 60s style close-ups on faces. It's you've got the aspect of, ratio. You've got, yeah. Remind me of some of the kind of um, uh, new wave stuff that I've seen. And I haven't seen very much. Uh, we, 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 we have the a friend who's, 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 who's a new wave fan. I wonder. If we can um, drag him into this possibly. But we'll see anyway. Awesome. Okay, I'm Andrew, looking forward to that. Andrew, in the meantime, if people are looking for a bit more Andrew Quinn in their lives, where can they find it? Um, on, uh, on, on Twitter. Okay. Uh, you can follow the 250 <laughs> at the 250. I don't know why. Is, is, <laughs> why you keep uh, Like, I, I, I think uh, I looked at it like um, I have notes on, on my iPad <laughs> that go back to when we devised this podcast. And uh, one of the kind of uh, things is the structure of the podcast. And a lot of it is still on it, if, if, if you care to read. But the, um, one of the... One of the um, elements that has sort of dropped by the wayside. Is, in, well, well, no, that, that, that is still part of it. But it's my fault <laughs> because I suggested it. Is, is, is this um, idea of, 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 of having um, plugs in... <laughs> I do like the idea that Darren is a podcasting robot and it's like Andrew's been trying to change the programming for the past year and a half, but it's just not working. He still keeps asking me at the end of the podcast where I can find me online. Exactly. Like your, your Darren Mooney is defective. How can you possibly, uh, <laughs> where can I return him? But uh, okay, so yes, you can follow Andrew online at A-Q-U-I-N-N-I-U-Q-A. Sorry, you shouldn't have to do my plugs either. Like, if, 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 if. If people want more of me, then, like, I don't know, listen to the podcast next week. That's a fair point. <laughs> yeah, they, um, I, I don't do stuff, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this is it. All right, well, with that in mind, then, we'll leave you, then. Take it easy, guys, and we'll see you next week. Bye! The, the Quarter Thousand Film Podcast. <laughs> Darren and Andrew do films. <laughs> Andrew and Darren's film show. <laughs> The yeah, 250 these... is the first one on the list. Yeah, I feel and then like it's we... like, let's come up with a few more. <laughs> yeah, just, in, just case. in case. I yeah. feel like, yeah, we peaked. Okay, we... structure. Intro. Work tagline for the movie in. Theme tune. Host catch-up and guest introduction. We never do a host catch-up. No, we never do. We I never feel like you never a, ask. Any interest in each other as people. Yeah. Uh, 